Well, welcome to Aspen Chapel's podcast on today, Sunday, March the 12th. And today we're continuing our series looking at trust and fear and looking at the whole idea of non-attachment. Well, over the last um, few weeks, couple of weeks, we've been looking at fear as being one of the main currencies that makes the world go round. The fact that fear is a huge motivator for action in people's lives and something that those in power often use to elicit support for themselves. And last week we looked at trust being the way out of fear and that the key to breaking the cycle of fear was really letting go of control. We have to realise that we're not in control of the outcomes of our life and must therefore give up any expectation around those outcomes. You know, just letting go of what's going to happen, trusting and not fearing. When I was with Gary on the mountain on Friday, going down the thing, he said, just trust gravity as you go down. And you've really got to give yourself up when you're skiing to that gravity. There's nothing else you can do. You can't have all the fears of what's going to happen as you go down. You've just got to trust. And it's the same thing in life. You've got to trust and let go of those outcomes. Also, you know, the idea that fear and anger are a part of living. You can't escape them. We have to accept and receive them and not try to park those emotions outside ourselves by, you know, by letting go of our concern of outcomes, by letting go of the control of how it will all end. We, in that moment, have the humility to be part of something greater than ourselves. We say, look, it's not my plan, life. It's someone else's plan. And we, we let go of that. And I was saying that if we can begin to practice that letting go of those outcomes in our lives, if we can, if we can recognize our fears and see where they're coming from and recognize what is illusionary, because some of, a lot of our fears are just made up. We look at an outcome possibility and then we have a fear about it. But we have to recognize that which is illusory and that which does require action. If we can stop trying to give our fears to others to look after, but instead have our fear and not act out of it, then we're modelling the changes that we need to take place in the way that humanity deals with fear. And that's, that's the beginning of it. Not to react, not to be forced into action, but just to have it. And this week I want to look at, at what we're left with if we're willing to let go of those fears. When we're truly unattached from what's going to happen in our lives. And that's a, it's an interesting place to be. Unattached from what's going to happen in our lives. And, you know, I know that's a tall order, but I think you can get into that zone of being unattached almost immediately if you put your mind to it. You can become unattached. Do you want to have a go? Would you, should we have a, a go at being unattached? Okay. All right. So... Just for a few minutes, maybe if you're willing to, just close your eyes for a second. Just close your eyes and just scan your life. What's the most, the thing that's most concerning you at the moment? What's the thing that's most concerning you at the moment? And what's the worst that could happen in that circumstance? Now, that's an outcome that you've got in your mind out there. But just 
See if you can let go of that outcome. Just let go of that and the fears related to it. What comes up next? And now see if you can let go of that. And just begin to get a sense of trust in your life right now. And within that perspective of trusting life, can you accept whatever happens? Can you be unattached to whatever outcomes you might imagine? Can you just let be and let go? Just notice how that feels. Just letting go of those outcomes. Okay, just a little moment. You you can open your eyes. The interesting thing is that we we can always get to that point of unattachment. It does take us pausing and reflecting. But it's a state that is available to us if we're willing to pause and reflect. And what I want to look today at is what happens when we reach that point of unattachment. You know, when we get to that point where we are unattached, I think the first thing that happens is that we're freed from fear or the lasting effects of fear. I don't know if you notice when you just let go, the fear lessens when you do that. We still feel it, but we're when we're unattached, we can unhook from fear driving us into action when we're conscious of it. And the amazing thing is that we are then left in a state of being able to choose what we want to do next. When we just unhook ourselves from that fear, we're, we're left in a state of being able to choose what to do next because we've just let go of something. That quote I've used before from Viktor Frankl, between stimulus and response, there's a space. But you have to make the space. Between stimulus and response, there's a space. And in that space is our power to choose our response. In that space is our power to choose our response. And in our response lies our growth and our freedom. It's in that moment when, you've, in that, when you decide what to do. And being unattached from the outcome puts us in that space. It puts us in the space. We're suddenly free to act in whatever way we want to. And we're conscious of what we're doing. We're conscious. This will free us to consider acting in a truly loving way, whatever the circumstances. We have the opportunity in that moment, in that pause, to choose to act in a loving way or not. But we have the choice. And therefore, our unattachment to outcome frees us to be loving. I think it's amazing. Your unattachment, not being attached to an outcome, frees you to be loving. It frees you to choose to have your fear and anger and turn it into love. And an attachment is therefore, you know, key in that process we've been talking about of emotional photosynthesis, where you take pain like the sun is taken by plants and you transform that pain consciously into a loving response. That process enables us to transform into love rather than projecting out and blaming with our pain. And it keeps, that blame keeps the cycle of fear going. And therefore, you know, transformation, the the, the ability to be, be present, the ability to be loving, 
is part of that process. That lovingness brings us into the moment where we can choose. Not being attached to outcomes means we can choose to be loving and we can choose to be present. And our unattachment to outcomes, therefore, releases us into love. So it's our preoccupations and our concerns with what's going to happen in our lives that stops us loving. And I think that's quite interesting. It's all our self-involvement with, with what's going to happen to us stops us loving. But the moment you let go of that, then it opens us up to new possibilities that we couldn't imagine. We're suddenly opened up to new possibilities. And if we're not driven, which fear does, in one direction or another by our desire to have an outcome, then we're free to choose something new. And that's, that is new. Thomas Merton said, you do not need to know precisely what's happening or where it's all going. What you need to recognize is the possibilities and challenges offered by the present moment. Doesn't, you don't have to worry about what's going to happen, what might happen in the future. What you need to recognize is the possibilities and challenges offered by the present moment and embrace them with courage, faith and hope. You have to embrace those possibilities. And you can't if you're off in the future, living in your outcome that you've already thought about. Our unattachment to outcomes releases us to do that. And if you're still worried about letting go of your attachment to those outcomes, just remember that you have no idea how things are going to pan out eventually. You really don't know. It's all in your, your mind. You've got no idea how things are going to pan out. Even if you do try and make it go one way or the other, you have no idea what's going to happen. You know, I, I've told you, first time I came here, November the 9th, 2014, I told the story of the Chinese farmer. And it's a great story about outcomes. So I'm going to tell it again just to bore those of you that don't know. Chang, the Chinese farmer, had one son and one horse. And one day the horse jumped over the fence and went off into the mountains. And he was horseless. And all his friends came around and said, Chang, what bad luck. And Chang said, bad luck, good luck. Who knows? Anyway, a week later, the horse returned and brought with it 20 wild stallions from outside in the mountains. And they all charged into his paddock and just stood there. And his friends came around and said, Chang, you're rich. Isn't this amazing? What good luck? And Chang said, good luck, bad luck. Who knows? Because a week later, Chang's only son decided that what he was going to do is break in one of those horses. He got on the horse and rode it around. And of course, the horse threw him off and he fell on the ground and broke his leg terribly. Had to be taken off and, you know, awful situations. So his friends go, Chang, what bad luck? Chang says, good luck, bad luck, who knows? Because the next week, the army came round because they declared war and they wanted to round up all the young men in the village to go and fight the war. So all of them were rounded up except Chang's son, who had a broken leg and couldn't go. So good luck, bad luck, who knows? You don't know what's going to happen. You think it's going to be great, or you think it's going to be awful, but the truth is, you haven't got a clue. And it's worth remembering that. You don't know, which is why, you don't know what's good or bad, which is why Adam and Eve 
There we are, getting back to the Bible, those of you worried. <laughs> Bible, Adam and Eve, Genesis. Why Adam and Eve were told not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Isn't it interesting that Adam and Eve were asked to eat, not, uh, uh, told not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You know, to preserve their innocence that they didn't know what was good or evil. Being unattached frees us to see things clearly. That's what it does. And when you see things clearly, you can see, and here's the big news, you can see that in fact heaven is this world clearly seen. Heaven is this world clearly seen. We don't often see it because we're so caught up in trying to get what we think we want and not have what we think we don't want. But in reality, heaven is this world clearly seen. As Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is within you. And we look out from our individual heads into heaven, into the kingdom of heaven. That's where it is. And right now, we are all looking out into heaven. We are part of heaven. It is all around us, should we choose to have it that way. But most of the time, we don't. Often we choose to live in, to live in hell by torturing ourselves about the outcomes in our lives. And the hell is a hell of our own making as we try to second guess what's happening in life and position ourselves correctly. But in reality, our unattachment releases us to experience heaven. That's what it does. Our unattachment releases us to experience heaven. And that is the true nature of enlightenment. Do you want to know what enlightenment is? That's what it is. Enlightenment, isn't just, it's not a peak experience. Anyone can have that, and many people do. A peak experience is just a peak experience. And just as the top of the mountain, and Ward will agree with me on this, the top of the mountain is no more important than the bottom of the mountain. It's just a load of old rocks and earth, and maybe a little bit of snow if we're lucky. So a peak experience is just another experience. What enlightenment actually is, is realizing your non-attachment. That's actually it. And therefore, seeing the world as it truly is, without the judgments we put on them. And so you can be a part of, you know, the reason for doing that, the reason for coming into the present and realizing heaven as being in that moment, is so that you can let go of your thoughts and your ego and all that stuff and be part of that consciousness that is bringing about the transformation of all things. You have to let go of your outcomes to do that because only then can you be present and act in a loving response and be part of that ongoing transformation, which is why my favorite definition of enlightenment is rocks are hard and water's wet. It's just what is. All the guff books that are written, it's just what is. Just seeing the world as it is with no judgments, no preferences as to how you're experiencing it or what's happening. No deeper meaning, no hidden meaning, no this is all an illusion. None of that stuff. It's just what is. And when you see it the way you truly 
see it, you see what is for what is. It's just what's out there. You know, that, Evelyn Underhill said that mysticism is the art of union with reality. It's all about our place within that greater consciousness. This is all reality out here. And mysticism is being at one with that, which just means being in the same room. And most of us don't even show up to that. We're just in our heads. But being truly in the same room is what it's about. So we let go of our desire to control our outcomes, our problems, our worries. We let go of that. We relax into an experience of trust. We feel that space where we can actually choose what we want to do rather than being driven from one thing to the other. And we see life the way it is. We see the yellowness of the windows. We see the people around us. We see the pillars. We see the walls. We see the building. We see this. This is it. Everything, this bad news is everything in your life, everything you've done, all the courses, all the money you've earned has brought you to right now. If a bomb dropped, this would be the sum total of your life right now. And it is. Right now. And you're always at right now, funnily enough. It's never not now. It's always now. It's always now. But I'm not always here. But I am here, but it's always now. Right now. All the good ideas, all the relationships, all the learning, all the money, everything you've ever done have brought you to the moment now. Reading the book, reading anything right now. And it'll never get any better than it is right now or any worse. Do you know, it'll never get any better or any worse than it is right now. It'll only be different. It'll only be different. And whether you think that difference is better or worse would be just a judgment of your mind that it will make in the future. But outside that, it'll be just what it is right now. If you take your mind out of it. Khalil Gibran says, and you would accept the seasons of your heart, even as you've always accepted the seasons that pass over the fields. And you would catch, you would watch with serenity through the winters of your grief. You'd look at the seasons as they pass over the fields the same way love and joy and death and grief pass through your heart. It's all here, available right now. The rest is just what you think about it. Pain is just pain and joy is joy. They're different. Life is difficult. Scott Peck famously wrote at the beginning of The Road Less Travelled, and it is. But the really difficult thing is that we don't like being with difficulty. The difficult thing is we don't like being with difficulty. If we were able to be with the difficult times as easily as the easy times, then life would be simple and easy in its difficultness. If we were able to do that, if we could just let it go, it would be simple and easy. It's about wanting what you get rather than trying to get what you want. To be in a place where you are what you want to be and you want what you are. My record said that. To be in a place where you are what you want to be and you want what you are. And when you do that, you trust life. That's the key thing. You trust the hand you've been dealt. You trust the ability to play that hand. And you make no prejudgments about the way the game is going because you're not running the game. Key bit about sanity. You are not running the game. Life is running the game. So work with your life and you have everything you need. 
work with your life and you have everything you need. The moment you try and take over the game, you change, try and change your hand, try and change the game, you're lost. Because it's not your game. You're part of a bigger game that's being played by life. Now, as I said, said Cyprian's not coming, but he was going to talk about awakened consciousness. So I thought I'd set that as my target for next week, talk about awakened consciousness. But this lovely bit as we go into that from the Dharmapada, from the Buddhist teaching, which really does make a point of, of what I've just been talking about. He's, and it says, it is not good conduct that helps you on your way. It is not good conduct that helps you on the way, nor ritual, nor book learning, nor withdrawal into the self, nor deep meditation, I should put here, nor going to chapel. None of these confer mastery and joy. O seeker, rely on nothing until you want nothing. O seeker, rely on nothing until you want nothing. Let's pray. We do pray that we may be able to let go of our attachments and, and come into the present and choose that lovingness and be part of that consciousness. And we pray that for our, our community here, for our country, for our world, that fear would be lessened. And we pray for those that we know particularly are struggling at the moment. And we particularly think today of Valbrick Karlberg, who's now in Denver and in a really difficult place. Think of Patricia Hill and Barbara Orcutt and Will Welsh, Anne Hodges and Tracy Houston, Shelley Franklin's sister, Melanie. Continue to think of Matthew Greenland and Galen Gatsky, Linda Schneider, Susan Fesis' daughter, Katie. Pray for the family of Ryder, who died recently, and Jeff Schlepp, whose leg was amputated the other week, and his wife, Lynette. Family of Jack Fields. And also continue to think about Patty Harris, whose father died recently. Lord, we just ask your blessing on all these people. Anyone else that we want to just remember in our hearts now? Amen.